Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 13th of April 2012. For newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's lots of audios for free download and hopefully you'll start to understand the system you're born into, vastly different from the system that you thought existed and that the media tries to maintain actually exists, the fake one that is, and you'll understand the system you live in, which is really a scientifically organized and created structure. Uh, and it's really, it's an incredible structure. It's like the matrix itself. You think you've, you understand it all. You move into the next level of the matrix and there's another one above you, below you, to the side of you, beneath you. They're all over the place. We're micromanaged, in other words. And it's, this is the form of scientific dictatorship that Bertrand Russell and others talked about. And, um, it's been here for quite a long, long time. We can see also that the structure also encompasses your whole way of living from birth to death, what you'll work at, your kind of education, your class structure, uh, your necessity to the system, and or your, your non-necessity to it for that matter as well, and, uh, and sustainability, etc. All discussed over a 100 years ago by the boys who set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is also the Council on Foreign Relations across the rest of the world. They have the Trilateral Commission as well, and um, and they run the planet into an organised fashion. Right now, you go, you're going through the shake-up as the as they amalgamates countries and continents together under the global structure, uh, using your tax money naturally, along with private business that, that uses your tax money, and they're getting awfully rich of it in the meantime too. But the outcome is a managed society under a bunch of guises of sustainability, etc., and using the fear tactics of global warming, carbon dioxide, all these things to make you give up all your rights and just go along quietly like the good herd that you're supposed to be. So go into the audios, help yourselves to those, and you'll understand how it all works and the long, long history behind it as well. And remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And keep me ticking along because that's the only income I bother to have. I could get a lot more if I wanted to, but then I'd have to bring on lots of advertisers and, and staff. And then before you know, you've got a business on the go and you can't, you're beholding to too many different organizations. Then you can't really say what you really want to say. So if you want to support me, you can, you can buy the books and discs, as I say. And uh, from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use a personal check or an international postal money order, or you can use PayPal or send cash. It's up to you. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And straight donations are really, really awfully welcome. As I say, we're living in a global society. It's been announced in many different quarters, and we're always having new announcements all the time, mainly from the United Nations or their affiliates, all the, the organizations that belong to them under their umbrella. And, you know, we learn primarily through osmosis, not by direct reasoning and um, 
arguments. That's how the general public learn. It's through osmosis. It's through the tiny bits of repetition you hear through a thousand sources over the course of a whole year. The same things over and over until it's quite natural to start talking about it. You don't have to understand what it really means. You have a basic understanding and no more. But uh, that's how you learn through osmosis. And that's why you have such a vast media enterprise, worldwide enterprise with big media barns to make sure that all the media says the same stuff about the same time on the same topics to make sure you get the message, whether you're listening with half an ear or not, doesn't matter. Osmosis will do the rest. Because the vast majority of the public, as I say, are never truly conscious, never 100% conscious of what's happening around them and to them in any generation. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the system we live in. And, and most people, remember, don't listen to shows like this. They listen to mainstream. It's the, the, the 6 o'clock news, the 9, 10, 11 o'clock news, whatever it is. And they see their favorite commentators uh, and newscasters, and, and they get so used to them. They grew up with them. That's why they used to keep them until they're falling off their chairs. You, they're like your dad or your grandpa, and you can't believe they're lying to you, you see. And they give you the news, and, and you never question it. Most people never, ever question it at all, because it never dawns on them they could be lied to. What amazing trust the general public have in private corporations. And yet, it wasn't always like that. I've mentioned that so many times before. That's really up into World War II and beyond. People were rather suspicious of mainstream news because it was still fresh in their minds of all the scandals of the past. They knew what media barns were all about. They worked on behalf of the, the, the king or country sort of thing. And, um, and they misled the public, especially in times of war or when an upcoming war was about to take place. Uh, they'd mislead the public to get them all on board against somebody they'd never thought about hating before. And suddenly, you're supposed to just switch on and hate them. So media is a very powerful, powerful thing. And, uh, and, and the same media goes to incredible lengths to make sure uh, that it stays very powerful. It will tolerate no competitors. Look at the, the Murdoch Institution for that. Because uh, uh, there's quite a few videos out there, not just on the fact that they were hacking folks, uh, males and so on, but they also have a company in Israel which uh, uh, put under uh, competitor rivals that were starting up to challenge the cable TV industry. They they, they hired hackers and gave them... um, the keys, you know, these little keys that they put into the boxes for cable to, to allow you access to them. And they manufactured millions of them and gave them up for nothing to put their competitors under. And got away with it, too. Quite astonishing. These are the people we're supposed to respect, you see. These are the people who bring you your news. And people do believe them, too. There was Murdoch's group as well that re hyped up the whole war against Iraq and for all the rest of them ever since because they've got a lot in common with uh, people in the Middle East there. They've got a lot of agendas to fulfill because medias do have agendas, believe it or not. 
no, no, I'm talking about your little local one round about you, where it's really an advertiser they put round your local area with the local ads in it. But even though those guys too put inserts in as well about sustainability, uh, so that the local uh, group that's put themselves on your local council has placed themselves there until you can't do anything without their permission for the sustainability and the ecology. Um, they get their, their inserts into your local papers as well. So everything is propaganda. That's the whole key of everything. And the, the, the way to propaganda is to look at any totalitarian system of the past. You must start with a, a young group in school, and you give them a different reality from their parents, or even the, even the children a few years older in some cases. Different education. And step by step, you make it even more different, more radical and more radical until you have true believers that grow up being true believers in what's been pushed for the big totalitarian society that they're going to grow up into and be part of. And so it's sustainability and greening and globalism, overpopulation and so many, many other things. Things that were worked out long ago, over a 100 years ago, by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, working with its various other organizations like the Royal Society and the, the various societies on eugenics at the same time to bring in a world society. And they truly hoped at the time that World War I, which they helped to create, by the way, according to Professor Carl Quigley, that World War I would be enough to get every nation on its knees. They'd be so bankrupt, so, so starved with rationing, and they'd lose so many of their young that they'd be on their knees and ready to, to accept a, a a kind of scientifically run system, an expert run system worldwide, a global society. But it didn't work out that way. And even H.G. Wells talked about it quite openly in his books. And he says it didn't work. We need another war. So that World War Two, And even then, he said that it hasn't killed enough. These are the characters you're taught to, to, to admire. And... It hasn't stopped in, in the least because these are only a few people uh, really in, in a vast a vast army of so-called specialists all interconnected to do with the planned society for poor old Mother Earth, you see. And they use billions, if not trillions, their tax monies every year across the world. They're interfaced totally with the big corporations, international corporations to do with food, armaments, everything. To do, supposed with bringing world peace to the whole planet. And this whole corporations make their living off government grants across the world. And, and their founders are billionaires, multi-billionaires. It's big business, you see, sustainability and bringing the population into line until the bulk of the population will simply do as they're told. That's what it's really all about. Getting the, the vast majority to change their whole lifestyles and don't ask questions, just go along with the herd and, and, and don't complain. That's really what it's about. And with all tyrannies of, of, from the ancient past to the present, you must have your high priests, you see. And different priesthoods, in, even in Egypt, specialized in different areas. Even as far back as Sumer, we know this was so. Some priests dealt with real estate in Sumer. Other priests dealt with taxes. And uh, other ones dealt with with uh, imports and exports and, and so on and so on. 
And really today that, that, that is coming to what we now call government and government bureaucracies. Same thing, but priesthoods at one time did it. But priesthoods are good because we can always bring a bit of voodoo into it to, and say things which are unintelligible to the public. So they must be right because you can't follow them. See, that's how it works. It's very simple. It's like someone talking in tongues. It's all it's all nonsense to you listening to them. But if you elevate that person as some sort of high priest in contact with a deity, then you're not now you're not quite so sure anymore. Everybody else is sitting in awe, listening to the gibberish, and you think, well, maybe they're right. You know, maybe it's I'm not quite getting a point here. And that's how science works. You see, a science comes into to being from an obscure grounding generally, very obscure. When, now, when you mix so-called science with politics and power, then you're going to get a lot of this stuff that we've seen for years now to do with sustainability, climate change, the IPCC, uh, things like that. They make up incredible uh, doomsday scenarios every year. And they admit it themselves on their own websites. We must give the public horrific forecasts, horrific, to really terrify them so they'll all accept our findings when we have our, our latest power, you see. And have lots of powers which we all pay for through our tax money. So that they can con us. And then they use terminology because the first thing you must do creating a science is use terminology that the public don't understand. It sounds holy that way, you see. And so they make up lots of words. And then the next thing you know they've got a university course to teach them the words. And, um, and then, then they're up in the limelights uh, preaching to us using big fancy words that you don't understand. Because you don't have time to study what they call science, you see, their particular science. But when you, you always find, too, when you, people who do understand the lingo uh, and who don't agree with them, they're awfully upset. The political priesthood, you see, the political scientific priesthood, because it's, it's quite easy to beat them with their terminology and the facts, you see. They don't like facts at all. They prefer you, that you just believe their magic and give up all your rights and do as you're told. And, and that's what most folk do. Especially most folk that have got children, because the children's come home, they're talking about greening this and greening that, and, and, and stop using so much water, washing yourself, stuff like that. And, and so the children train the parents as well. Again, you understand there have been many attempts over a hundred years to unify this planet by the same founding organization using wars and, and various other things, even financial disasters, to bring it all together. And, of course, they hit upon using the Club of Rome, the think tank. They hit upon using climate change as a big stick, that everyone would be forced, once laws were passed, everyone would forced, be forced to change their way of living into this new term they call austerity. And the big greenies have come out, as I mentioned before, saying that they've got to teach the public, you know, that's a war situation. Because in, like, World War II, people got ration cards. They, they ate very little protein. And they didn't complain too much because they were at war, you see. And she said, this is one from Britain, she says, if we only get the same scenario back and, and the public will go along with all that we want them to go along with, we're treated like animals and, and mentally retards at the bottom. Let's say what, what it is. That they actually say it themselves. Like we're just a, a mental retard. You don't tell the people the truth. And they actually said it in some of their sites too. Don't you can't tell the people the truth because they, they, they wouldn't want to go along with you. In other words, if we knew the truth, being human and not stupid at all, 
we wouldn't go along with them. So for them, it's all or nothing, especially when they're making so much money. I looked up the, the amount of, of, of um, organizations, even listed on Wikipedia. It could take you a week going through them all, or two weeks, maybe a month, to do just with the greening and sustainability. All I think it's a growing industry. You sure got a job in the greening industry, uh, just complaining about things. And writing a little paper once, once every six months sent to the United Nations, and then comes your grant again. Lots of cash there. People are making their entire careers with this kind of stuff. To change everybody else beneath them. You know, the real producers at the bottom. But um, everything's counting, you see, on the Rio Plus 20 coming up, you see. And when you think... Something new is coming out. It's not. You, you, any part of their agenda, including how they're presented to you, has been discussed in papers going back for maybe six months to a year prior to the big top guy himself announcing it to the public. And I'll touch on that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the system that controls people. It, uh, it prompts us all, of course, to how to, where to think, the directions to think in, or just accept and believe, in fact. Most folk just believe it without thinking. And, and why it must be so. This, this planned society. And remember, Bertrand Russell said the same thing many, many years ago, and he was a big player in creating the system you're living through today at all the world meetings he attended, but he also worked behind the scenes for culture creation and alteration of cultures with big, big groups who were funded by your tax money again. But I touched on an article yesterday or the day before on Bai Kai Moon on his new economic paradigm. It says needed for including, including social and environmental progress. It's, it's also called the blue economy. It's not, it's, it's where you don't really have much of a gross, uh, uh, national product basically. And, and so they're going to go into gross happiness projects, you see. A mindset, a complete mindset change. Maybe they'll bring in Hinduism and we can say that, well, nothing's real anyway and, and uh, we'll just sit there and, 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 you know, meditate until we die or something. But anyway, this is what they want to bring in. So they're not going to go by our GDP anymore, gross national product, because uh, we don't have much left, you see. We, we import pretty well everything, and that was also the agenda, to bring down America, especially. I read the article by Hansen yesterday from NASA, who's a real nutcase, uh, and he wants to kill most of the folk on the planet that doesn't, that doesn't have a professional degree in anything. And... Um, he wants to really turn America back, he said it's in many statements, to the Stone Age. He wants to literally dismantle all uh, man's uh, dams, everything that they've done and changed, uh, take down all remaining factories uh, and just put it back to wildlife. He doesn't like people very much, you know. And uh, they, they, like, they like a few psychopaths at the top as nutty as him, and, and they keep them around for certain reasons. So anyway, we've all to go do without... Um, Goods were post-industrial, uh, were post-consumer, according to the United Nations. And the United Nations, remember, is just the, the mouthpiece for the big boys behind the scenes who set them up in the first place. And that was the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. 
and it's big international bankers that set that up. Now it says, uh, convened by the government of Bhutan, the meeting happiness and well-being. That's all that matters now. Remember too, they talked many, many years ago about uh, using pharmacology, a kind of soma drug on people, make them happy and stoned and, and, and they'll live their lives and die. So happiness and well-being is more important, you see, than gross domestic products. And defining a new economic paradigm. A new economic paradigm. What do you think that means? It's again to do with communitarianism and all that kind of stuff, because I looked at the other members' websites, and there's thousands of them. You spend your whole life going through them all. This, or, this organizational system that all lives off your tax money, uh, and lives very, very well, by the way, way above you. And, 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 and plans the future all the time for you to live in, you see. And it says, uh, brought together hundreds of representatives from governments, religious organizations, academia, and civil society to discuss the issue. And as I say, they give you the Himalayan kingdom example. I guess that's after the, the maybe before the, the Chinese killed an awful lot of them. And that they were all very happy, uh, and they, they focused on being happy and, and their well-being. You know, wellness type of thing rather than economic productivity. And that's because, too, the world was throwing so much at... You understand, there's a whole countries now, whole countries living off the things that are thrown at them from countries like ours, to feed them, to give them work, to give them everything. And so that's what they live on. So, of course, they're quite happy. Uh, they don't have to do very much to, to, to be happy. I think I'd be quite happy that way, too. People threw cash at me, and, uh, and I had no worries about the future. Wouldn't you be happy, too, that way? And then it says, we need a new economic paradigm that recognizes the parity between the three pillars of sustainable development, social, economic, and environmental well-being are indivisible. This is to be their mantra for the G20 meeting, you see. They've got lots of these mini um, kind of uh, dress rehearsals prior to it, you see, from their different organizations. And I say there's thousands of them all working with this. It's a, a massive bureaucracy, understand, a huge bureaucracy. Uh, this probably about a, a thousand times larger than all the bureaucracies of nations put together running this show. Do you understand that? Do you really understand that? And as I say, this is from April that uh, Ban Kai Moon came out with this this thing. But of course, they, they tested it already back in January. And it says Rio plus 20 and the green economy, how to make prosperity sustainable. And so that this organization, the Ditchley Foundation, was given the task of introducing this idea. They've all come up with ideas, all wacky ideas, you see. Uh, all, all these different guys are getting grants from us, basically, via your governments. So it says, the, this conference featured a diverse group trying to identify new ways to tackle the huge challenges of sustainability and prosperity the world faces in the run-up to the Rio Plus 20 conference. We agreed that we were currently in a terrible place from an environmental and sustainability point of view, but seemingly unable to convince either politicians or peoples of this reality in the middle of an economic crisis. Now remember, these are non-governmental organizations, but they get masses of your tax money given to them to exist and do what they're doing. So he says that they couldn't convince the politicians and so on in the middle of an economic crisis. If people were not listening, we were not saying the right things. We therefore had to change the messaging and appeal. This is to, for, for the masses, right? Both the people's self-interest and their sense of responsibility in new ways, which engaged them emotionally as well as intellectually. See, it's very important to con you through emotions. 
That's, in fact, the main way that you're conned is through emotions and documentaries. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big overlaying system that runs the world and uh, and how thousands of these type of non-governmental organization bureaucrats run so many of much of our lives actually and where they're going with it and how they talk to each other because they treat all this like a war you see it is a war to them to conquer the public's minds and to get us to give up all our rights and freedoms become global and learn to use a, a pick and a shovel or learn to grow turnips and cabbages and of course, they'll get it all at the top because the ones who design it all for you see themselves as, as, as a new separate scientific class. You see, they're more, more, more responsible than we are. And, uh, and they know how to rule our lives better. And this article I'm reading here is from the Ditchley Foundation. Uh, this a big part of this, uh, stuff. They write a lot of stuff that Ban Kai Moon picks up on and starts parroting six months later. Now I started off by reading uh, a bit of Bai Kai Moon's stuff. It's actually from this article written back in January. And they're talking, they're talking to each other in this article here, and not to the general public. And, um, it's a note actually by the, the director. And, um, and it says here, they've got to find new ways in which to engage the, them, that's the public, them, you know, emotionally as well as intellectually. It says, did we need to change our economic model and behavior radically to get where we wanted to go? Or could we achieve this by more incremental change? You see, they generally use incremental change over a span of 50 to 100 years. It says, there was much debate, but we agreed it was not either or but both and all of it, in other words. There was no time to wait for governments. Now listen to this. There was no time to wait for governments to see the error of their ways. And you think you're living in democracies. And these characters that your tax money is funding bypass the governments and simply steam ahead, full steam ahead. So there's no time to wait for governments to see the error of their ways. And action had to be start now with things we know worked, things we know worked, and experiments with many others. What they know works, you see, is, oh, my God, you're all going to die. The sea is going to rise up and flood you all. And, and you're going to freeze to death or you're going to roast to death like a piece of toast and stuff like that. So that's what he's talking about there, using emotion and fear on the public. There were already good examples of changes which led others with a more powerful, uh, to a more powerful snowball effect. Wartime style mobilization could follow. Remember what they said before, they all want us to get into rationing and for your food and everything. Close the lot. Even sharing accommodation, cramping you in. Because all want to get you off the land, you see, under Agenda 21, into these crowded cities. Meanwhile, if it was clear that measuring the GDP growth did not tell us what we needed to know about human progress and well-being, it was less clear which additional simple metrics could catch on. But we should at least be able to agree on a set of global indicators which told us where our world was heading, including the great risks involved in not respecting planetary boundaries. 
on the international scale. Our side, we had low expectations of new major agreements, but better cooperation was still needed, including, including in areas like trade and technology transfer. You see, under the agreements you've got through your governments and the United Nations, you've been transferring your technology and your factories for about 50-odd years, by the way, and speeding up towards setting up China, and now it's Brazil and India and so on. You're, you're funding all of that, you guys back home, you see. It says, while we could not agree on the desirability and feasibility of a rapid move to the establishment of a new fully-fledged world and environmental organization, there was strong support for an initial non-intergovernmental move in this direction, setting up an environmental data clearinghouse which would enable national sectoral progress to be tracked in comparisons made, should be launched in Rio. That's a Rio summit coming up. So they'll announce that then, that there's a new massive um, WEO. Environmental targets should also be included in whatever replaced the current Millennium Development Goals. Or alternatively, the, co- the concept of planetary boundaries could be reflected in a separate set of targets. So you see, the set of targets that all of us at the bottom have to meet, even if you don't know why you're meeting them or what they even are all about. So they're talking about uh, how to get more cash, more public funds, uh, to leverage the private resources which would be needed. The money was clearly out there if entrepreneurs and fund managers, their own professional fund managers, these people, these groups, could be convinced that investment opportunities could help solve both the economic crisis and environmental crisis simultaneously. And they're even talking about floating green bonds along with the carbon credits and so on. And you have to understand too that, that you, and you already read these articles like, because they put out their own definitions of, of the words they're using, what they mean by the words of prosperity. They've got a different definition of prosperity and sustainability. It says we started by trying to ensure that we had a common understanding of the key aims of prosperity, quotation marks, and sustainability. Participants preferred such terminology to talk of green growth or green jobs. That's why these are the foundations who created all this green nonsense, which could not sensibly be disentangled from other kinds of jobs or growth. Though it did make more sense to talk of greening both jobs and growth. We understood prosperity to signify well-being. So prosperity is saying all happens in your head, you understand. If you bring in neuroscience with this, which they do, and I've, I've talked about Persinger and other ones before him, neuroscientists who say that nothing happens outside, everything happens inside your head, including well-being or unhappiness or sorrow or depression. And normally when you don't have enough prosperity and and you can't just sustain yourself, you're rather depressed. But they can find ways, you see, to making you have good well-being, regardless of the conditions that you're living in. As you lose all your jobs and and you have to share your toast in the morning with your neighbors and so on, uh, like a wartime situation, that this is all going to be good for the planet, you see. So they'll make you feel good about it. And you won't have to, I don't know, eventually they'll probably have a lobotomy pill they can probably just give us, maybe it's already there, nanotechnology, they stick in the food. But um, eventually you won't worry at all about the conditions you're living in. And it says there was agreement that we faced a dire environmental situation where business as usual was not an option. Climate change alone, although that's all debatable, but not to them. To them, climate change to them is their big stick. They can't let it go. It doesn't matter if God himself came down and said it was all rubbish. 
uh, they'll try and blow God out of the skies because they cannot give this up. This is a technique to control everyone. As I again go back to the Club of Rome that came up with the idea and they've, they've, they've picked on that and jumped on it since then. And even some politicians in Canada have said it doesn't matter if the climate change science is all bogus. Um, we can help spread the wealth across the world. That's the function of it. Distribution of wealth. One of the planks of the Communist Manifesto. So anyway, it's dry, boring stuff, but uh, it's uh, it's the only way you're going to understand what's going on, especially when they, they give their handouts to newspapers to read to you. If you read their inside stuff, then you'll understand what they're, where they're really going with it all and why they're going with it all to that direction. And you hear lots and lots more about uh, forget your gross domestic product. Uh, all you need is to be feel happy, be well inside yourself. Mind you, if you're all brought up in utter dire poverty, you'll think it's normal after a generation because you have nothing to compare it to. And that's true. That's happened in the past to people. It works very, very well. So if, if you think that sustainability is something to do with that, it's not at all. In fact, another article today said that there's fewer and fewer American uh, children, uh, teenagers having children, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, like they used to do. In fact, they used to get married at that age, quite commonly. But it's, it's gone down to 1940s levels. Just, just plummeted. They don't want children. And that's why they, they bring in immigrants to, to pay off the national debt, supposedly. That's what they tell us at the top. Uh, mind you, the abortion rates has increased dramatically, uh, along with STD, but uh, that they don't bring that too much into the actual article. So you're, you're living through a planned society, depopulation. They make it a cultural desirability not to have children, and that's happened, worked very well. And uh, the, the, the PR for that was starting in the 50s, and then really burst out in the 1960s when they gave the pill out, they gave um, free abortions out. And the state basically came out and says, don't worry about that, do what you want, have fun, and we'll take care of any problems for you. And that happened, and here we are today. And yet the same United Nations is prattling about, well, still too, too many people, there's too many people. No one's having children, but there's too many people. And then if you have children, you, you, you've got the children's aid going to grab them off you probably, because you've got, you're giving them bad ideas, bad ideas about when you raise them and say, look, don't believe everything you're told at school. That's enough to get your children taken off you. I'm not kidding you. It is. There's lots of folk who, who've had that done to them already. And even when I was young, I can remember the farce to do with pensions because the government, of course, uses the, the cash that's put in every week or every month from your paycheck into the pension pool. And, and it's invested in immediately, uh, masses of money in, invested. I'm not talking about like 5% return. I'm talking 30%, 40%, because they lend them out through the IMF often, in fact, to countries that have already defaulted that are paying incredible rates of uh, interest when they take out loans. But when it comes down to your retirement time, they don't, they grudge giving you retirement money, even you've paid into all that time and they've used it over and over and over again through investing. And it's a trend now, of course, worldwide, you know. It's a trend because we're global, you see, uh, that everybody's pension age must go up now. 
the whole, because while there's stats and statistics and so on, and uh, they know exactly pretty well how how many folk are going to die. It's now they've got everybody's DNA as well and your genealogy. They've got a good idea how long you're going to live. And I'm not kidding about that. They've actually done it all. And um, and they've worked out if you can raise the pension age up to 67 maybe, then an extra so many uh, uh, billion or whatever million will die every year without collecting their pension, then the government can keep it, you see. That's the, that's the whole point of it. But it's, it's presented to the public as um, it's, it's kind of the public fault. There's too many of you. Pension warning is Britain told to act now or see £750 billion added to the national debt. It's like, it's like, it's like blackmail, isn't it? You know, isn't it? This is the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, which is a private organisation, that gets your cash, by the way, because you must pay cash. Every country pays its cash to, to the International Monetary Fund for these private guys to have their private banking system. And they act like the big hard man. They give out loans to countries that have defaulted, and then they put you back down home, wherever the countries that lend them the money, um, put you down as, as the guarantors. So you're, you're constantly being guarantors of third world countries that always renege on their, on their loans. And the bankers love that. Perpetual money coming in forever and ever and ever with massive interest. But anyway, British workers should be forced to delay their retirements now or see £750 billion added to the national debt, the IMF warned yesterday. I mean, the IMF should be out of the picture. There shouldn't even be an IMF. You understand? This is all set up under the United Nations and the World Bank a long time ago and the Bank for International Settlements, where Carol Quigley himself said, that the BIS, Bank for National Settlements, will work all the other bank, central banks underneath them. They'll be the boss of them all. And their IMF will be their strongman. When a country gets countries in default uh, or they have a hard time making their payments, uh, then it's with compound interest, of course, then the IMF comes in and runs the country for you. The first thing they do is slash health care to the bone until there's none there. And everything is, is, is chopping, chopping. Wherever they can chop money, they'll chop it. So now the IMF, exactly as predicted as, as it was designed to do, is now running countries like Britain and lots of other countries besides. Even though Britain's still lending money out on its own to other countries and, and giving cash away. It said the country faced national ruin if the average lifespan in the UK rose by just three years more than predicted. Oh my God, don't live. It's because you're living. You understand you're in such a problem. Yeah. So the organization warned that if that happened, £750 uh, would be added to the national debt by 2050 to pay for the increased cost of pensions and health care. There's hardly any health care left there, by the way. That would push the debt burden up from 76% of national output to as much as 135%. See, this is the, this is the, this is the voodoo priests giving you their terminology, you see, to lose you. <laughs> You're supposed to believe their statistics, you see. Remember that saying too, there are lies and there are damned lies and then there are statistics. Like, like it's science, you can't argue with that. And a report into so-called longevity risk, so now it's a longevity risk, you might live too long. The Washington-based Washington International Monetary Fund urged governments to tackle the problem now before it's too late. I think it's Brown now is in charge of it there. He was sent over after decimating Britain as a prime minister and they sent him over to be in charge of the Washington-based IMF. So he's, he's helping destroy the what's left of the world. Now he wants to kill off all the older folk. 
It suggested a further increase in retirement ages, higher contributions, of course, in the pension pots from employees and employers, and smaller payouts to those in old age. They can hardly get their folk dying in Britain uh, every year and elsewhere in Europe, I'm sure, because they can't afford the fuel to heat themselves in their homes. This is progress, folks. But mind you, from the other side's point of view, it is progress. They want more of you to die off and live in subsistence, below subsistence pay and, um, and pensions and just die. Basically, the message is just die, you know. For what? So that, so they've got more cash to dish out into China and build hospitals for the Chinese. We're, we're, we are still building hospitals for the Chinese. Canada, the US, Britain, France, all these other countries under the United Nations organizations that we all signed on to in 1946. Quite some. So they want you to work into 67 and even longer, it says. In fact, it, <laughs> They're even talking about doing your own genealogy, and if, if you've got a chance to live in your 80s, then they'll make you work into your 80s. That's basically what they're saying. Yeah. Quite something. And the money, money. There's always plenty of money for, as I say, these world operations and throwing overseas and, and building even um, atomic power plants, for instance, in China. And Canada was part of that too, for the for, because we were kind of hit ahead on building these these big plants for atomic power. And I remember Canada years ago got the contracts for building them for China, although Canada has to pay for most of it themselves. Not bad, eh? Can do reactors and also the the biggest hydroelectric dams too, for China as well. We're all paying for that as well. They won't even up up and fix the systems that are, exist in Canada, but we can do it for China. Because we signed an agreement, you see. Nobody talks about that kind of thing, do they? Doesn't happen. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. And just before I go to a caller, uh, I'm also going to mention that another link tonight will be the one to do with uh, the upcoming NATO meeting in Chicago. And they're expecting demonstrations and they're going to use the same very sound cannons and so on, the non-lethal weaponry that they used at one of the G20 meetings in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and they're going to use the LRAD system, it's called. It uh, gives high-frequency signals out there and gives you splitting headaches and so on. And they're getting sued, actually, for using it. It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll use it again in Chicago. And maybe some other tricks as well they'll, they'll unroll to the general public. Now, we'll go to George and I think it's Pennsylvania. Are you there, George? Hello? 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 Yes. Yes. How do you do tonight? Not too bad at all. Nor I, nor I. Pleasure to speak with you once again. It's been a few months, several months. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I wanted to call you to thank you and touch upon a few things you uh, brought up over the past two weeks to a month. But first, you, uh, you had mentioned uh, a quote, uh, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. That was yep. Mark Twain, was it not? 
I think it was, and I know Theo Roosevelt and others used it afterwards, yeah. Right. Uh, what's your opinion on the likes of uh, Mark Twain and Jules Verne as far as the uh, predictive programming and what have you are concerned? You know, Mark Twain said a lot on religion, you know, the papers uh, on the Adam family and uh, things of that nature, like who is it the Republic, is it the etc. I'm sure you know the topics I'm speaking of, but... Uh, yeah. Where do the likes of Jules Verne, whose uh, literature is more or less innocent compared to the likes of H.G. Wells and the Huxleys? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think at that time, really, um, Germany had the leads in, all, in science fiction, even in the late 1800s. And so it was pushing lots of stuff that got copied by others to do that science was going to become the new god, the new savior. It would, it would solve all, all our problems for us, and we'd go to the moon and all that kind of stuff. Right, and, and under uh, the sea. And under the sea, and also under the sea was it had a lot of uh, man was wicked on the surface, man was bad, uh, he was conquering, he slaughtered, he, he he was a thief, he robbed everybody through piracy. Yeah, and so, so you had this man, Captain Nemo, which yeah. is Latin for no one. He was basically telling the fellow, as far as you're concerned, I'm Captain Nobody. Yes, and it's also um, omen backwards. So I, I have a bit of laugh because these people watching the Finding Nemo, Nemo cartoons are watching a movie that's essentially entitled Finding No One. Yes, and it's just I also find, you know there's something funny about that, but I can't quite find the joke there. It's also they love to put a word the omen is backwards. Is Nemo? Is yeah, it? that's true. That's true. And, and, and you find too with, with AT and T. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But also with Mark Twain, Mark Twain, I don't think he was a fool on anything. I mean, he was so into what was really going on. He was a very streetwise guy as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I suppose that could be credited due to the fact that he was born on the proverbial wrong side of the tracks. Yes. And but the fact, the fact is... So. All the, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the grime and gritty... Yeah. nastiness of the human end of society. Yeah, and he, he saw the reality of life. I mean, I love the story about how to get rich. Oh, by, I called um, in too late. Yeah, music. but the one about picking up pins outside the bank, you know, and the bank man comes out and thanks you for them and then gives you a little job there. Then you end up marrying the daughter or the banker. I mean, and then he tells you the real truth. You pick up the pins, the banker comes up, grabs them and kicks you in the butt. And, you know, that's how it really is. But he gives you all these different comparisons and his stories of reality compared to the fiction that's projected to us through the media. Uh, excellent for that. Yeah. But thanks for calling. From Hamish, myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.